Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Hello, hello. This is Jason Grigola with the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to you about another tool that every successful mentor, parent, coach, teacher, counselor has in their toolbox. And I'll start with a little story. My brother, who married a little bit later than most, ended up having triplets right off the bat. And then a year later, twins on accident. And then a year later, maybe a year and a half later, a single. So he has six kids, four years old and younger. And one day I went to his house and he was switching up his backyard again. And he went from a splash pad to, to a cable swing, to a trampoline, to a basketball court, to... He was always doing something different. And he said, you know what I've learned, Jason? I've learned that to manage my kids who were all pretty energetic and a couple for sure neurodivergent. He said, I had to learn that novelty is king. Novelty has saved my life. Whatever is new and shiny, whatever is the next new thing is the most important thing for me to be doing with my kids because if I don't have something for them to be engaged in, I get overrun and I can't manage them. So I manage novelty and that helps me manage my situation. And I think that is so wise and so important. And I look back at all of the pain points that we have as mentors, parents, therapists, teachers. And one of them is how on earth do I get them to want to participate, want to focus? How do I get them to want to care about something that they don't really care about? One of the truths is that when a student takes college classes and their ADHD especially, and I think today most of our discussion will be about ADHD, ADHDers. And having said that, I think almost every one of my my students who are young adults were diagnosed with ADHD first and then autism. Maybe not all, but almost all of them have both. And they're so overlapping and similar that I don't even dif- differentiate anymore between them. They're just neurodivergent. And when we talk about motivation and focus, we're talking usually about ADHD symptoms as well as aut- autistic, I, I'm sure. So all the best pastors and teachers, they use novelty. All the best therapists and parents, they know the secret that novelty is the right thing. And I remember spending years trying to find the right parenting plan, approach, the right classroom setting when we homeschooled, the right way to do counseling to have somebody stay motivated. And what I've learned now, and I wish I would have known then, it would, it would have drastically changed my focus if I had understood it and accepted it, was that the right plan is the next plan or the novel plan or the new plan. And once that interest shiny object wears out, I find a different way to mix it up. And what I did spend a lot of time and energy on and emotion was butting heads, trying to force, trying to coerce behavioral approaches getting them to sit and listen instead of creating an environment where they wanted to sit and listen. And that's so different. One is a mentor approach. One is a dictatorial, corrective behavioral approach. So novelty is actually based in our chemical brain. Novelty is all about a dopamine hit. Dopamine 
is all about regulation. Dopamine is about arousal. And so when our mind is stimulated or aroused into something interesting because it's novel, then we are way more likely to focus, be engaged, be interested, and be passionate about it. So it's easier to stay engaged and focused when we have something that's novel. Yeah, I I know. I get it. We can't always create something new and fun and interesting, and it's exhausting to always have to be the one to keep them interested. What I have found is that, and what I've learned is that it's way easier to spend a little bit of time up front choosing to make something novel and interesting instead of spending all of my time, energy, and emotion getting frustrated, fighting them, butting heads, and causing contention and conflict, just making it novel so much easier. It's easier for me. And it's hard because when we're tired, all we want to do is go in and get the thing done we have to do. A mature brain in its right mind, in its higher brain, in its upper thinking place, when we are our best selves and in the flow, we stop and think, how do we want this to go more than what do we have to do? That is the maturity that works. And with that maturity comes this thing called novelty. And it's actually not that difficult. So there were... There were uh, several motivators online, especially for those with ADHD, and they said that the motivators are pressure, meaning I'm uncomfortable, out of my comfort zone, I want to impress them, I'm embarrassed, I guess I do care about that, and so I have this internal or external pressure. Any external pressure has to create internal pressure or discomfort, otherwise it's useless. The second one is interest, which comes into passion. And if someone's naturally interested in it, it's easy to get them to learn. With many of our students, we cannot get them to take general ed classes and succeed because they just aren't interested. And it's right there in front of them in the moment. I'm not interested in this. Why do I care? Why would I even do it? Whereas the rest of us can take into account, I'm not that interested, but I'm very interested in getting my degree to get the end result. And we can take that with a grain of salt and use that as a motivator to stay focused in a class where the teacher's boring and never uses novelty, or the topic is boring and has no interest involved. Our students do good in two types of classes, an interesting teacher, even if they don't like the topic, or an interesting topic, even if the teacher's boring. You get those both together and they love it and they know that's what they're going to do for the rest of their life because it gives them a huge dopamine hit. It makes them fall in love with the subject and the class and the experience because they feel so good when they're doing it. And the third one is competition. If we can add some competition to it, I think that's a really tricky one for autists, but not as tricky for ADHD. Competition can create internal distress where they want to and need to perform. So competition can be another one. And then the fourth one is novelty, making something new and shiny. Every one of us have all of these needs for these motivators. But like we've said a thousand times with neurodivergent brains, everything is just more. They're not that different. They're just needing more, more practice, more time, more patience, more understanding, more insight. The pain point for me as a parent was just how exhausting it was when they could only focus on one thing at a time. I had to pick up the other two or three because I'm already watching the train wreck. I'm seeing them head for a cliff. I know where it's going, but all they can think in the moment is, this seems good. I'm making friends. So what does it matter if I'm smoking or doing drugs? My focus was to make friends and I'm going to make friends at all costs. And I'm thinking, whoa, 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 back up. And they don't connect cause and effect or parallel influences very well. So when we're trying to find focus for ourselves and for others, we have to be really good at finding novelty. And if you can remember this concept, life gets so much funner 
and easier and better. So one of the one of the studies, the research studies done was that low dopamine equals a behavior of novelty seeking. If I have low dopamine, I'm looking for something to give me a hit, a dopamine hit, a feel-good hit, which often comes with adrenaline and norepinephrine and other chemicals. But you can see why game design and how they do marketing is so good at giving you novelty, keeping your interest, giving you something new. The reward isn't every third one because that's boring. They do they do every second and then fifth and then first and then 12th because you never know when it's going to come in that and that jack-in-the-box pop-up dopamine hit, it's awesome. We crave it. We want it. So interest is just seems like always at the forefront. Interest and motivation. How do we get them interested and motivated? It's always at the forefront of the discussion for how do I help mentor them and create internal desire and discomfort. We know that discomfort is necessary for development. Novelty can balance that discomfort out quite a bit. They can do hard things if they're either distracted or something's really interesting to them. But if it's boring and it's hard, there's no way. And so we're trying to manage these things for them. I remember on a hike once, a young man could not physically do the hike. He was out of shape, huffing and puffing. His legs were noodly and his face was red. And my wife, Debbie, went up next to him, took him by the arm and just started talking and just got his brain distracted on talking and communication. And before he knew it, he had gone the last three miles and without even a problem, his body stopped hurting. His mind stopped thinking about how horrible, how horrible and obsessing about it. And he focused on something else. And I think the personal interaction and the physical touch was novel in that situation to help him keep going. The brain craves engagement. It craves dopamine hits. So another study has shown very clearly that those with ADHD especially don't have the same levels of dopamine their body's not creating as much chemicals or, and they're not sure about which one, or the distribution trans, what's the word, transportation mode that sends the dopamine into the brain is broken, flawed, or or sketchy. And so either they don't have enough dopamine or it's not making it to the neuroreceptors to receive the dopamine hit. And so they're especially likely to want the dopamine hit because of those those brain differences. So now now you've got to the point where if you get them to get dopamine hits because it's exciting and interesting because you've done something novel or new, you've got the other problem, don't you? And many of you already know where I'm going with this. When I was a babysitter or a lifeguard, I could get kids wound up and excited and just frothing at the bit excited and and all worked up into an excited, aroused, high state of excitement. But I had no idea how to get them down. I had no idea how to get them to control and self-regulate that arousal. It was stimulus and I was good at it. And then we went off a cliff. And I remember once when I was helping out as a high schooler in a group, my feedback was Jason was really great at getting them excited and interested in the topic, but had a really hard time keeping them under control once he got them aroused, stimulated. I was good at doing novel. I'd love juggling and magic and and physical humor, and I knew how to connect with them in a way that was humorous and fun. I wasn't good at regulation, and neither were those kids. Regulation for everybody is a process, and it's way harder with someone who's neurodivergent typically. So when we have a neurodivergent brain, we get hyperstimulated or not stimulated enough, and it seems like there's no balance there. It's like 
Okay, more stimulus, more stimulus, more stimulus. Whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. Too much stimulus, too much stimulus. And that that line of I'm in a good, a good place where I'm interested but not overwhelmed, that I'm out of my comfort zone but not overwhelmed, it's really hard. It's exhausting. We get it. We know. And novelty is something you can pull out when you need to get more interest. Here's some cool stuff about novelty. We want them in an aroused state, but not overwhelmed. So we have to be in our higher brain to be watching it. If we're triggered or we're overwhelmed, we're certainly going to be a dysregulation, a co-dysregulation instead of a co-regulation. So make sure you're in your higher brain. Once again, the second is be aware of their arousal levels. And that doesn't always show on the outside, but often it does. Their stimming often ticks are often a way for them to slough off their energy because they're too aroused or too stimulated. I also think when they're bored, they do something to keep themselves interested so that they keep their body arousal going. Like when I'm falling asleep driving in in my car, I, I tap my foot or I walk, I, you know, I bounce my knee because I'm a drummer and I think it's pretty common. So let me give you a few examples. So novelty is when we introduce something different to the equation. When we introduce something, it has to be enough, but not enough. If we say we're going to Disneyland, it might be too arousing and stimulating and they'll throw temper tantrums and they can't even make it into the park. So we have to manage that arousal with the novelty. So when there's not enough interest, not enough focus, not enough engagement, and then they're not going to learn from it. Introducing novelty does not mean doing a different task. What it does mean is doing something different. If you're having class the same way, the same day, the same location, how you teach the classes, the same techniques, what we've learned is that students who are neurodivergent aren't visual only learners as opposed to auditory learners, which is what we've hit We've, we've said that for years. What they are is novel learners. They need it mixed up. They need a bunch of different stuff to keep their interest so that they can be focused. One of the ways I know they're interested is when they don't need their hands tapping over here because their brain is totally engaged and they don't have anything with their body going on. But when they get overstimulated, their body starts to do some physical outward things often as well, even with ADHD. The second thing is have a plan in place to calm them down and help them regulate once you get them up. You've got to be able to be prepared to get them down. And if you have a class of 10 or even five, they're all going to have different levels of arousals enough, but not overwhelmed. And they might even be in five different places. It's hard. A lot of times that's why mentoring is better than a classroom instruction one-on-one because you can be organic in the moment and especially parents, it's okay to separate out your higher aroused or over aroused or difficultly aroused interested person. You can totally do them separate. If all of your children can handle good co-regulation, getting them all excited generally is going to be a bigger perspective, like a bigger, broad ability to say, okay, they're excited enough, maybe a little too excited some, maybe underexcited some, but good enough. They fit. With our neurodivergence, it has to be unique to them and it doesn't fit what everyone else does. So if you have five or 10 in the classroom, one's going to be overwhelmed and be totally tuned out and have to leave the room. The other ones are going to be like bored and like, yeah, you, you didn't get me on that one. So individual is really helpful. Remember the, the get them out of their comfort zone, but not overwhelmed. Out of their comfort zone does mean interested. It does mean pain. It can mean I really want that. How many times have we seen a child or even us put down our favorite thing and trade it out for that new shiny object because of the, the what if, because of the possibility factor. And so novelty is king. I think different can be novel. Changing up 
if if you have to do the trash, if you have to take the trash out and it's just boring and rote and they don't want to do it, so they avoid it and they lie. I don't know how you can mix that up, but you can change how they do it. You can change the reward for what they do. Let's talk about that reward for you with novelty. So in parenting plans, we were we were always excited to find the new plan that worked, but then it stopped working. It's not because it was the wrong plan. It's because it wasn't novel anymore. And so the right plan is the novel plan. So if we plan on having a new something injected into parenting plan of some form, then the plan is to be novel, not the right plan. The right plan is novelty. And I think that's a shift. And so let me go back to what I was getting to. I changed my thinking from the right approach to what's a novel approach. And the novel approach is the right approach. It, I loved the teachers who did novel. I was so grateful, so appreciative of teachers and professors who made things novel. Instead of just doing an information dump, they were aware of my interest level and cared. They didn't just say, I'm the teacher, you're the student, you're here to soak up the information whether I teach it interesting or not. That is that is gone. It should be gone. And most universities are realizing that those types of teachers can't stick around. The ones who are sticking around and getting great assessments and reviews on ratemyprofessor.com are the ones who do novel things, the ones who are passionate as well. So let's go back to this external, internal motivator. Let's talk about a sticker chart for a minute. If the only reason the child is going to the bathroom is because they get a sticker on the chart, that's not going to last very long. Maybe once in a while you'll get a kid that just loves stickers, that every sticker you put into their sticker book is a sticker collection. It's worth it to them. And that's their passion. But for most kids, gets old pretty quick. They're like, yeah, whatever. I, I got a bunch of stickers. I'm not that interested. But if, let's say, for example, you mixed up the stickers or you went from a sticker to a treat to 15 minute preferred time with a best friend or a parent, or let me give you an example. If I was to motivate my child with a sticker to go potty in the toilet and not in their pants during potty training, I wouldn't put a sticker on the chart. I would say every time you go potty in the toilet, I'm gonna stick a sticker on your face and you can't stop me. And the kid's eyes get big. I'm interested in them, I'm focused on them. It's a competition, it's novel. It's a little dangerous. It's a little unknown. It's a little anticipation. And they're interacting with me. I want to spend time with them. I want to focus on them. And they say, they come in and they say, dad, I went to the bathroom. And then they run, 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 run. And I grab the sticker and I chase them around for literally three to five minutes to reinforce the behavior. And that works. And I stick the sticker on their nose and hold hold them down to pin them enough to get the sticker on their nose. It's all positive. If they start to scream or they get hurt, that's crap, right? And that does happen when we're tickling or wrestling and it gets too much. And then they go, wow. And then they cry because something hurts, but really they were just overstimulated. I get all that. But chasing them around the house to put a sticker on their nose is not the same as using stickers on a chart to motivate. The sticker wasn't the motivation. It was novel enough as a vehicle to create a situation where they were excited about the possibility of what could happen and that my dad would spend time with me because I peed in the toilet. What a great example of what novelty looks like. Another example would be to switch up the classroom, switch the location of the classroom. Yes, we still have to learn math, but we're going to do it in a different way today. Or we're not going to learn math at all. We're going we're gonna to do gymnastics, but then we sneak in math on the side and talk about the radius of someone going 180 degrees instead of full 360 degrees in a front row. And you talk about how much it would hurt to, to do a 180 degree front flip. 
because really that's just a dive on their head. And you sneak it in with a novelty of approach, right? Novelty is a tool. It's kind of like a stitch in time saves nine. We have to be at our best game to even think about novelty. When we're tired and exhausted, it's so easy to just go in and focus on the task we've got to get done. We've got to learn math. You're going to learn it. I'm going to teach it to you. And that's all. And then we're shocked and surprised sometimes and frustrated and we're triggered because it didn't go how we wanted it to, because we forgot that they have a difference, a disability. We forgot how to respect their learning process and how their brain is built. We forgot to be attuned with them and curious about what they're wanting and needing. It was just all about us needing to finish a task. My heart goes out to parents because they are in that state a lot. I'm just tired and I need to get it done. But if we can do the dishes with fun and novelty and connection, whatever the task it is, having, adding novelty is a huge benefit. So keep that in your mind and have a lot of fun with it. I would love to hear stories of success from any of our listeners that decide to do something novel and tell me how it goes. Shoot us an email. That would make me really happy. Thank you. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. Jason